You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Everybody, hey, yeah, baby, are you ready? Whoa, whoa. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Tucked Podcast, presented by FeaturedX.com and Sound Talent Media. I am your fucking host, Tuck. Hi. Thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure you go and you smash that uh, subscribe button for me, okay? Leave some reviews. Give me all the stars. Tell me I'm a five-star man. I'm a golden god. Tell the world how screamo this podcast is. It would uh, be a real solid. Thanks. Okay. First of all, sorry uh, for taking a little break on you. I've had a lot of work lately, and I just kind of needed a mental break It I feel kind of awesome, though, now, to be honest. Valentine's Day was pretty sweet. We went and saw the catacombs at St. Patrick's Basilica. I spent a day just, like, singing and playing guitar and having fun. I just needed some me time, but I'm back. I'm ready. Yeah! Okay. This morning, I was listening to a podcast called Washed Up Emo with Dashboard Confessional. He was the guest. It's hosted by this guy named Tom Mullen. You should go check it out. The podcast rocks. Okay. Uh... Dashboard has always had a really special place in my heart and one of the reasons why I play guitar and I was listening to him speak and thinking about my life and this year we've been forced into so many uncomfortable positions and situations and for everyone listening he was in a terrible motorcycle accident which is how I try to relate this a little bit but obviously it's horrible and I'm so glad that he's okay and he's here but it's been really hard for him to relearn how to play guitar and all this kind of stuff but Really, at the end of this year, just we're 11 months in, you know, for me, I'm about three weeks away from fully being home for a year. And it's really incredible that we're here. Uh, We did our best. We struggled mentally. But in the end, we're here. And I just want to applaud you all because this show has been my place to vent and has provided me with a great sense of relief. You all provided me with that sense of relief. And Um, thank you for helping me. And I hope in some ways, these conversations that I have with my friends have maybe provided some laughs or some solace or some happiness for you. And, um, my friendship with Tim makes me very thankful, you know, whether we're in bands, no bands, got homes, children, you know, all these kinds of things. I'm, I'm just happy to have known him through so many stages of life. And he's truly an incredible man, person, and like, even better friend. So no matter how much time in between, it it always just picks right back up. And I'm just feeling a lot of really good, positive feelings after this little break and coming back to such a special episode for me. So I felt really good lately. Take some time. I played some fit songs, spent a day just singing, like did some shit that I needed to do for me. And I think that you should 
Remember to be proud of yourself. You did it. You accomplished something absolutely incredible this year. I applaud you. Take some time to yourself. Focus on you. And just remember you're important too because at one time where I feel like one thing I've been battling is the idea of, well, I know I'm really down, but there's so many other people that have it worse. You know, they can't put food on the table or they can't do this or that, right? But we're all fucked up. And it's okay to just focus on you for a second from personal experience. It helped me. I hope it helps you. But thank you for listening to me rant today. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks for the break. Um, Just one of those days you got something to say. So here's my chat with the very lovely Tim Malloy of Our Last Night. Tim Malloy is in the motherfucking house. Hi. Hi, Ryan. Hi, how are you today? Or oh, you're getting appropriate you, with it. No, I like it. Should I call I you like Chuck? It. No, you're too old school, you know? That's how deep it goes. I remember yeah. you going, yeah, I'm Tuck now, and thinking, oh, that doesn't make any sense to me, but okay, okay Tuck. <laughs> you know, now nah, it's a nice, uh, all my friends at home don't call me that. My offered many, you know, like Melvin and those guys don't call yeah. me that, you know, and it's just, a, I don't know, happens at work, I guess. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's so funny, yeah. It is I, mean, I get funny. it, obviously, numerous Ryans in the band, but yeah, it's still yeah. just funny. I'll never forget the first time he said, oh yeah, I go by Tuck now. Yeah, it, I, it, it was comical. It was... <laughs> But you guys, I was think reflecting on this today, and I was thinking about how I really, I don't think my tryout for Fit for a King had, you know, had be it, I still met them all this shit years later and had never known you guys. I don't think that my tryout or doing that first tour with them would have gone as well without having been around you guys and been friends with you for, you know, quite some time, quite a few years at this point, and like... Just seeing, you know, like, don't be a punisher. Just kind of seeing what the what it was like to be around people who were consistently touring and just trying to be as normal and not stressed out as possible. It was really nice. Um, well, I mean, you were, you'd been at it for years, though. I mean, you knew. You were never that type of person. I mean, you, you knew what you were doing from the start. There's, there's definitely a reason. You were very much so prepared to, to be in that band and make that tryout far before, you know, we had anything to do with it. I guess yeah, I was just, but I, you know, I met you guys so early on too. I think it was your second or third tour. Um, you know, yeah. you guys were playing Club Cranel. This wasn't the one you did one tour with, and then there were none before this. Yep. And then maybe one other one, but I think you guys were headlining, and you didn't have any support with you at Club Cranel at this time, if I remember correct. But we oh, played yeah. that one Southern song, and then we all started chatting. And it was great. Um, but, dude, thank you for joining me here today. It's going to be nice to go down the nostalgia train a little bit. Yeah. But um, I was just doing some Our Last Night research myself. And one thing that I find really interesting about your band, because as everyone knows, you guys are the quote-unquote YouTube band, right? But it's yep. really amazing to see that Sunrise is also your second most popular song on Spotify with over 40 million streams. So that kind of debunks that. Um, where it's 
even though the latest cover that you did, you broke me first, it's still, it will always just sound like an Our Last Night song, even if it's a cover. And what you guys do for the scene is arguably more substantial and more important than what most people do for the scene, which is you bridge the gap. You bring in people that wouldn't normally be into this type of music and get them to begin to enjoy it. And most bands will never have that type of an impact. And it's pretty insane. Congrats. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, obviously we were, you know, we had been at it for a while before we started doing, you know, YouTube stuff and stuff like that. And, you know, like when we play, we go on tour and stuff like that. You know, RIP touring. Um, We, like, we maybe only play, like, a cover, maybe two. And, like, they're never, like, funny enough, like, they're never the most, rarely the most, like, relevant one. You know what I mean? Like, there's, we only do, like, a handful of them that we've ever really played live other than like playing them in a room together and, you know, like filming videos and writing them. Like we more so just kind of saw it as a tool to like, I mean, like, like you said, like it was an un, an untapped market where like, you know, you started to see, you know, people like Goot, you know what I mean? Obviously, you yeah. know, Goot um, mm-hmm. doing these like, you know, doing these covers and, and gaining a lot of traction and, and doing them really well. And, you know, never really saw anybody doing it like us. And, you know, we were pretty against doing covers for a long time as well. I mean, with what covers from like our genre of music ended up being most of the time. Yeah, like, It was like the punk goes crunk and stuff like that at the time yeah, when you guys, which like not trying to knock years. that at all. You no, it was I mean? a huge like tool not, for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah, not in any way trying to knock that. We just were like, eh, whatever it seemed. It just wasn't for us. You know, we were sticking with originals and things like that. But, you know, eventually we kind of came to the conclusion that it was worth a shot. And, like, I just remember one day I went to – and this was – I mean, we were still back in New Hampshire. And, you know, Matt's – you remember Matt's studio. Oh, yeah, their, above their the garage. And, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, like it – being like, oh yeah, like I wrote this Skyfall cover, like we're going to give it a shot. And I was just like, holy shit, like this is not like the covers that, you know, we hear bands doing. And was really excited about it. And it just, I mean, it, it for all intents and purposes, blew up in a sense. You know what I mean? Like oh, it, yeah. it really took off, like to the point that even our label at the time was like, yeah, we're going to claim that. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where like, okay, like was this maybe. Was still while you were on Epitaph? It was at the very end of it. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, it was at the very, very end of our our time with Epitaph. Um, yeah, but yeah, they were like, like it, we want that money, bitch. I remember, Come yeah, on. like it shot up to like a hundred thousand views, like real fast, and then like numerous people tried to claim it, and then it got taken off YouTube. You know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. like, oh, what the hell's going on? Um, but yeah, so we just kind of were like, all right, well, you know, this is a way to definitely bring new fans, a different style of fan from an entirely different place to you know, this style of music and what we do. And again, like I said, like when we go and play live, like, I mean, it has definitely grown our fan base exponentially. Like it's been a great tool. I mean, YouTube at this point is like watching TV guys. Yeah. Well, like it's it at the time, like YouTube was just kind of like, Oh yeah, there's like funny videos and you know, Charlie bit my finger and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, it wasn't what it is now. People weren't making livings off of doing covers or doing uh, TV shows or cooking shows or, or, or 
you know, talking about mental health, all these types of things. So, yeah, you guys were mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And like you said, for everyone listening, there was this guy um, named Alex Goot. And Alex Goot was really popular on YouTube doing covers. And he was from the around the area that I grew up in. And um, our last night's old manager was close with him and his team. And just seeing what Alex was able to do because he started doing covers in high school and this was like the beginning of youtube he was one of the first like youtube stars kind of like yeah, i mean they were good him. too he did a They're really great. really good job really cool arrangements of these songs good enough that he stopped doing it at the age of like 30 <laughs> retired yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and like i just remember that we would hear like he would go on he would do like a tour a year and he like he had originals too like he would and he would play both and he would do like they you were know, great yeah, like he was a really talented dude. And it's one of those things like like you said, like our manager at the time was kind of who like eventually convinced us, like, just give it a shot. You know what I mean? Like because he was bringing it up to us. and We're like, no, like, we don't want to do that. We, I don't know, for whatever reason, like we were like, no, we're good. We, we're, we're all set. And, you know, he just kind of stuck with it. And we were got to a point where we were like, well, you know, like might as well, you know, like it's it's we don't seem to be everything else we're trying isn't like really making much of a difference. So like, and you tried a lot. I mean, you guys went to three pretty incredible producers made insane records and had done a lot of touring. Like, I mean, yeah, it had been like, I mean, it's been 13 years we've been touring now. I mean, this was like halfway through our career. Yeah. We had already put out a couple of records and like, Again, it was at a point where we were like, well, you know, like we might as well try something new. Like, been doing the same thing for a while. It's it'll be worth a shot, you know. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But you know, at this point, might as well give it a shot. Yeah, one hundred percent. The Skyfall one. How long did it take you guys to like get shit situated and be able to put it back up, and then be able to actually like continue forward and doing more covers and stuff? It wasn't too. I mean, it was like a day um, because, like, you know, you oh, put it online, and then like you put it on put it on YouTube and then like Adele's people claim it. Like that's still what happens. You put a cover online, there are people go online, they find it, they claim it, whatever. Um, but it was Epitaph also claiming it because we just had released it on our own YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which like prior to that, any music video we had put out, we had put out on, you know, Epitaph's YouTube channel and they had, you know, the rights and everything to it. And so like, this is, like I said, at the very end of our, our time with them, but we were still on their label. And so like they saw that we did it and claimed it. And because so many people claimed it, it just got taken off YouTube and then it all got resolved and it went back up online. And we just kind of like negotiated. We're like, well, listen, we want to keep it on our channel. Like, you know, whatever you can have the, the rights to it, whatever. But like, we are trying to build a YouTube channel. So like, you know, we, we came to whatever, I was so long ago now, but we came to whatever agreement we came to. And it was back up within a day or two. Oh, that's sick. See, that's one of those things that a lot of bands like mine miss out on with not developing YouTube channels and always, because with your contracts for everyone listening, you know, they pay for your music videos, they as in the record label, and then that becomes part of how you recoup your album. So if it does do well enough on YouTube where it would actually generate funds, they just see that. So the only way that you can develop a YouTube outside of that is by creating personal content and being more of like a persona versus putting distributing music and stuff like that. Um, which I guess it found you guys at the perfect time where you 
What? Uh, gosh, who was the last person that you guys? You guys did the, your last record on the label with a massive person from fucking Jersey who did like with Bendith. Yeah, David Bendith. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that experience personally? I mean, it was nuts. I mean, it was. I mean, you know, he he's that name. You know what I mean? Like it was like, and he had mixed our record before that. Oh. Um, so the record before that we did with Andrew Wade and then Bendith mixed it and like Matt went to Jersey and like did it all with him and like um, they like really, really formed a like a, a relationship out of it that we knew the next time around it was like, okay, like we're going to go do our record with, with Bendith. And we did. I mean, it was crazy. He, you know, definitely like picked apart the songs and, and reworked them to, to be what they became. And, you know, some of them came out great. Some of them you know, we maybe wish we hadn't changed as many things, but still came out good. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those situations. It was definitely yeah. a, a producer experience. You know what I mean? Yes. The, the the classic definition of like, all right, here are your songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, and it was, it was a, a crazy learning experience and it was, you know, I mean, his, his studio was, you know, Whitney Houston studio and like, it was just one of those crazy experiences. You know, he did Riot, he did Breaking Benjamin, he did all these records and, you know, we still play songs from that record. You know what I mean? Like it may not have been our biggest record, but like we, like I said, we still play songs from it. They're still in the set more so than our first and second record are, you know what I mean? Like that record is the oldest we play off of at this point. Um, but I mean, yeah, like we learned so much from, from recording with him and, you know, especially Matt who, after that felt, I mean, like he always did our demos and stuff like that. But I mean, since that record, Matt has done everything on our records. Like we did. Um, so like Oak Island, Matt did everything except like we went and recorded the drums with Dan Corniff, who at the time prior to that was Bendis engineer. Yeah. He's independent Um, now though. Right. Yes. Now he's doing his own thing. He does like, you know, pierce the bail. He does great stuff. Yeah. Um, he yeah so we did the drums for oak island with him but other than that like matt did everything you know i remember him mixing it in his basement at their apartment in boston like and it came out great and since that point like he's done all of our records we haven't done anything with anyone else he produces all of it i mean he's just been recording for such a long time and was so far ahead of a lot of people i mean even i'm you know, we went and did that Visions EP yeah. with him years ago, and oh, he recorded so my old talented. local bands. Like oh, before no I was shit. in our last night, yeah, like two of my old bands had recorded with Matt. So he was like what twelve at this point? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Trevor had just been born. I don't know. You joined our last night, or you guys started the band? Like, or you know, you joined. I joined um, you in two thousand seven, but yeah, this, yeah summer two thousand seven. Yeah, wild. And uh, I think it was like Colin was going to school with Woody or some shit and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That shit was so interesting to see because that was also at the beginning of like the internet being a an important tool in finding and scouting bands. And when you guys put out that like two or three song release with Escape on it, and um, I think yeah, it was it was Escape, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was like the the first ever. That shit popped off. I remember that like going back in the old pure volume days. Yeah, going quote unquote viral before viral was a thing, um, and then seeing or opening for you guys for the first time and seeing the venue totally sold out and crazy act. It's actually Melvin and I's first interaction together since. We had one concert when we were both like 15 that both our bands played, but we didn't really talk. And then we both sang your whole set like next <laughs> to each other in the front. Uh, and this would have been what? Cranel? <laughs> yeah, Club Cranel, maybe. Rest in peace. Yeah, dude. This was like 2008 or nine. I was in Yeah, it was, I, I was think it would have been eight. Um, <laughs> I took dude, yeah, college courses at one point. Crazy. Wow, man. <laughs> yeah, because we inevitably ended up playing the last Cranel show. Like we played that, that room a couple of times. And like mm-hmm. one of them was like, this is the last show we're ever doing here before they just started strictly doing the loft and chant. Yeah. They turned it into a bar that's had a mm-hmm. few iterations and stuff like that, which we've also enjoyed some food in. Um, oh, absolutely. But, um, yeah. Did, did you guys actually, I never realized this myself. Did you guys actually release age of ignorance and Oak Island both in the same year in 2013? That's ballsy, man. Um, let me see. Yeah, hold on. So it came out. Yeah, because so we did we did it really fast. Um, because like I mean, after we did the cover, um, and like you know things really started to. We spent that summer, like we did summer of covers, and like I think this was. I mean, so again, my mind is so shot, but. Um, you did start with that summer of covers thing. Like that we went pretty much right into doing summer covers of that and then through that you know after that um sleeping with sirens like gave us a shout and it was like one of the first times ever that a band was like hey like we're gonna send you an offer and then it actually came through you know what i mean yeah. and they ended up taking us to europe and um a U.S. tour where we did like half of their headliner for it was the record feel and um, oh, okay we were like okay well if we're going on tour with and this is like I mean obviously they're still a, a, you know a very relevant band but like they were like really catching their stride when that record was coming out yeah this was like and, their third um, or fourth record yeah exactly which again they had been at it for just as long as we had yeah um and they were yeah they were like really those I mean those shows are were crazy um. But we were like, all right, if we're going on tour, like we might as well, we should have some new music. You know what I mean? It seems like we're, we're gaining a lot of new fans and like, we might as well have some new stuff to put out. So we like real quick, like I said, Matt did it all. And we real quick, just pumped it out, put it out ourselves and went out on tour with them. And then, you know, from that point on, we were like, okay, this is definitely something we could just do and, you know, sustainably release our own music and shoot our own videos and like, really started learning that like okay taking what we had learned from being on a label for that many years and touring for that many years and seeing how the industry really works and like seeing how much money gets spent on things and like realizing that like well if you can just either save up or figure out a way to you know get a a decent camera and, and some decent recording gear like you can you can get there you know what i mean like it's it's all attainable if you, if you just really put your mind to it. And I mean, luckily enough, like I, Matt and Trevor are both the type of people who are like, if they want to do something, they'll figure out how to do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like they're both very, steroids all the time. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like they're both 
extremely good at being like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to like make, uh, you know, I'm going to start designing t-shirts. I'm going to start like, okay, I got this, I got that. I'll, I'm going to figure out how to do that. And then a week later they're like, all right, cool. I made this. You know what I mean? Like, which is like, I personally am, am horrible at doing stuff like that. Yes. At just seeing something and like reading it once and being able to do something. I've always been more of a, like, you can show me how to do it and I'll, I'll do it just fine. I need to see it work first, but they're both like the definition of go-getters. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm if with they want something done, they do it. Yeah. I need to have things be like shown to me in order for me to really comprehend it most of the time. But, yeah. um, yeah, they've always had that hustle mentality and, uh, I, it's always been incredible. I mean, I guess that's what makes a band get signed when they have a 15-year-old vocalist um, or 14 or whatever the fuck he was at the time. Yeah, he would have been 14 at the time. Yeah. When we were recording our first record, he was a freshman in high school. And like he had a tutor while we were like in California recording the record who came to the house every morning before we went to the studio. It's crazy. But yeah. this was, I think, all of those things... You know, you guys have always been very naturally magnetic, and I think that there's a lot of people that are fans of the band that will, of course, always be like, yo, that first album, that shit fucks. Ghost Among Us is <laughs> one, of the, one of my favorite metalcore releases ever. I, you know, I knew all those words front to back. I have some of my like most fond memories singing along to your band, and I think that you guys were almost like ahead of, just ahead of your time. Like, it was uncomprehendable where it was like wait they're so good but they're children but i don't uh. and i think that that fucked with the industry i think that there was because you know it, it comes down to two like i remember for instance like we, trevor being on a devil wars prada song but then you guys didn't tour with the devil wars prada and it was like mm. how the fuck does that happen shit like that I mean, they what? shot a video for that song yeah it was like one of the singles <laughs> it was a big track um and I, but you guys still did a lot of consistent touring for being as young as you were. I feel like for being still teenagers, you guys toured like six months a year. Oh, easy. Yeah. I mean, when we first were really going at it, I mean, like you said, we did that tour and then there were none who, I mean, I don't know if anybody listening to this will have heard of them, but they were a band from back in New Hampshire who had like, kind of made some traction and did some touring and i think they released their record on uh it's a closed casket i don't know they had released a, a record on a label though and like we're starting were to do cool their band. thing yeah they were a very cool band um but yeah and then after that we went on tour with uh like life in your way it was like our first yep tour with like a more notable named band and then after that it was like you know we did a tour with Alice Santa and Skye's airplane and the chariot. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, after that point, it was just like, go, 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 go tour home for a month, tour for two months, home for a month. You know what I mean? Gone 10 months out of the year for a long time, just playing those same, those same rooms every, every couple of months. And like, you know, you don't, it's crazy to think that you don't really have to do that to like really gain fans anymore. But like, that was how you, that was how you had your band be known. I mean, you had to, be on the road. You didn't really have the tool of the internet that like, there were things like pure volume and, you know, you had MySpace and, and, you know, you could promote your band that way, but it wasn't the way people like heard of you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you had to, you, you either were seen at a show or, you know, your name was on a flyer or whatever it may be. But yeah, we used to, we hit the ground running. And you guys worked for really hard. I mean, it, it was, 
especially I think the Poughkeepsie example is a good example of if you hit a place consistently and you put on a good show, people will be stoked on it and gravitate towards it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, dude, we used to drive there every other weekend, four hours and, and, <laughs> and play whatever room Jeff was like, oh, I need a band to play. Like, I remember that one weekend we did two nights in a row. Yeah, we, we like did a drugs show and then also headlined in someone else's uh, place because they had to cancel or something like that. And we were like, oh, screw it. Like, we just hopped in the van, drove to Poughkeepsie, stayed at your house and, yeah. you know, played a couple shows. Yeah, dude, that's how, that shit was sick. I remember that bubble party. Do you remember that bubble party? We how can I forget, dude? <laughs> how can I forget? That was so sick. Um <laughs> For everyone listening, we went to it was at like the the an event center in the area, but it was like a college, uh, you know, it was like a barstool a, thing, a barstool like bubble party thing. So in the middle of the of the room was just this massive pump that just kept creating bubbles, and <laughs> it was wild. Chris Aiken's dad was bartending <laughs> yeah, that yeah, night. <laughs> that oh, show was fun. Uh, so funny. I don't think any of us were even old enough to be buying beers at the time. I don't think so. I don't think we would have. I think, I for yeah. I think it had. I think you know. No offense. Um. Yeah. I think it's it was Mr. Aiken or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I, don't I mean, prior I to as well. I mean, I don't think I was either. I also don't really think I like drank at all at the time. No, we were potheads. We yeah. yeah we never really drank when we hung out Mm-mm. in general. We yeah. You know it was. Easier times. Uh, I still don't really drink. I'm not really a fan. I can have like two ciders and I feel good. That's fine for me. I like a nice glass of wine every now and again, but other than that. That's because you're dad now. Um, (laughs) Dad as well, yeah. Yeah. Just sit down in your robe with your Mm -hmm. child and a glass of wine. I don't know if you can, I don't know, that actually sounds suspect, I guess. You know, baby in one hand, glass of wine in the other. Can you do that as a parent? I usually wait till she's asleep. Yeah, that's cool. It's like my okay. We've we made it through another day. Awesome. I'm gonna have a glass of wine now, and then at eight o'clock I go to bed. Now, how soon? Oh, by the way, I got my nephew a drum kit. He's he's four years old. I got him a drum kit for Christmas this year. Very nice. That's earlier than I started, so he's already ahead of me. He uh, he bashed it. It was cool. It was we Very had a nice. good time with it, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting seeing them grow up and become people. Wild yeah. shit. Yeah, I mean, I've watched it happen with obviously Matt and Trev's kids. Like Noah's, you know, he's like a little dude now. Yeah, he also just looks exactly like Trevor. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, that's cute. They all got the good hair, and I'm just like, man, what the fuck, dude? Like us over here, you know, oh. not having the hair. But you know what? Yeah. If you shaved Matt or Trevor, they would not look nearly as cool as we do. No, it just makes sense for us. Yeah. yeah. They're meant to have really good hair, and you and I, we have good shaped heads, you know what I mean? We're we're meant to show off our domes. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh. Yep. Um you know, that's the thing is, like, how many wiener jokes can you make a week? You know, I had some good ones on last episode, but you know what? Here's the thing. Dome is cool. I remember I knew this girl in high school, and uh, she referred to herself as the Dome Queen, and I was like, that's an adventurous nickname. Um, but 
but she was just a friend everybody you know i was a theater kid i didn't i didn't do stuff i didn't do sex um we talk about sex a lot on the show actually that's the primary focus is give everyone uh advice that's why the show's called get tucked because no you know it's like yeah because everybody's out there's fucking man um <laughs> Nah, there's been a lot of babies made during this time period, though. I mean, yeah, uh, dude, what the fuck else are you going to do? Yeah, that's true. Other than be depressed, I guess every once in a while you get that nice, like, adrenaline pump, and you're like, yeah, all right, she's working, let's go. Um, yeah. but- well, Crystal and I did this, this was, like, planned, and we were pregnant far before this shit started happening. Yeah. So, and like, and, like, you know, when she's... When our daughter's older and they're like, oh, you know, like our parents were like boomers and they're like, oh, yeah, you were a quarantine baby. It's like, no, she wasn't. Yeah, She, she was planned count. and came around before this whole quarantine thing started. This was not a mistake. This was not a out of boredom. This was a let's have a baby. And then she got pregnant. And then all of a sudden she couldn't go do anything anymore. <laughs> like, Yeah. No, that's really cool, man. That's incredible. And I'm glad that she's not a quarantine yeah. baby. Um, but there were some cool quarantine babies that were made and stuff. Um, oh, of course. I'm a, I'll, cool. I'll tell you one off air that's not public yet, but um, a good buddy of mine is having a quarantine baby that I think you'll be like stoked that. on. Um, but uh, you guys, speaking of which, too, um, I, always, I forgot that you guys took Melvin out on tour at one point, too. Yep. Back in the yep. day, it was like with a Destria or something like that, right? Yes, it was. Um, a Destria and maybe cause, was Casino Madrid on it. Yep, that's who it is. That yeah, because that was man. so. That was after we did the record with Bendis. Uh, in that time, after uh, we will evolve and Age of Ignorance, Colin left. And we had just like, we were doing it as a four piece and then we went to record that record and like our buddy Ryan was there with us who was like learning the songs. Cause we were going right from recording that onto a tour. Yeah. He was, uh, from he was going to be, broken, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he was playing with us on that tour. And then after that one, I think was the one that we brought Mel out. That's sick. And Mel was with us for a tour. I love Mel. I haven't He's seen him so boy. long. I know. He's always being a herb and staying home when everyone's having fun. Um, but he's great. He's such a good guitar player. He's toy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had those cool dreads back then, too. Oh, all yeah. sweet. I wish I could have seen one of those shows, though. I don't believe that you guys played the East Coast on that. No. Um, no, it was a pretty short run. Yeah. No, that's wild. Is it, um, I guess, you were with SJC for a long time before you moved over to Gretsch, right? Yeah. How cool is that playing with Gretsch, though? That's just one of those companies that I feel like is so classic and legendary that as a drummer, that's got to be one of those, like, holy shit, I fucking I mean, I did this. Yeah, man. It's It was one of those things that, like, I remember growing up and seeing, like, opening uh, Evil Empire and seeing mm-hmm. Brad Wilk playing, like, a Gretsch kit and just being like, oh, wow, okay, cool. And, like, just knowing, always knowing that name. And, I mean... It's one of those things that, like, they've been making drums since the 1800s. They're, like, one of the OG, like, American-made drum companies. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. they have this this longevity and this name to them. I mean, you look back and it's – you can find pictures of, you know, the earliest, you know, 1900s people playing Gretsch kits and, and like – 
I don't know. And they also make incredible guitars. They're just like such a quality, quality company. Um, but it was like, it was just always like a, it almost seemed like unobtainable. You know what I mean? Like it always just seemed like a, well, we're not like rage against the machine. We're not like selling out Madison square garden. Like I didn't even know how to get in touch with them. And also they kind of weren't like really, there was like a brief period there where they kind of weren't around almost like they were still making drums and stuff, but like yeah. they, it wasn't like, you didn't really see too many people playing them. And I remember from like our world, the closest to it, like the first person I remember seeing after a while playing Gretsch moving from like a truth SJC was Aaron from under us. I remember oh. like all of a sudden when he was playing with Paramore and like he was, he had a Gretsch kit. That's and, awesome. Um, thinking like, Oh wow. Like that's, that's really crazy. And you know, a couple of years later, Connor from Beartooth yep. was playing Gretsch and, you know, you start seeing like Daniel who, you know, used to be in Norma Jean and did that, you know, low teens with every time I die, like yep. he plays Gretsch and he started seeing it. Like he oh, played wow, in under like, for a while too. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He did. He did what? Disambiguation, Disambiguation. was the he did with him. Yeah, it was a fantastic. Album. What a drummer. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like who through, I mean, I just had a couple of friends who put in the good word and, and a buddy who works at DW. Um, so like Pablo, you know, Pablo, yep. obviously from Chelsea Green. Yep. Um, he got me in contact with uh, his buddy at DW and basically was just, you know, he got me in contact with Gretsch and really like went out of his way to like put in a good word for me. And, and so did, you know, Connor did. And I just have I'm very lucky to have, you know, a lot of the people in my life that I have because they, I got a response back and it was kind of like a, yeah, you know, like we're not really get adding people to the roster right now, but like, you know, keep in contact with us. You know, we, we'd love to chat and we love to, you know, know what you're doing when you're releasing music, send it our way, stuff like that. And about a year year and a half after the first time we we talked um i got a phone call randomly from andrew the guy who's the like the customer the a and r guy at gretch and he was just like hey man like we we'd love to we'd love to work with you and i like that was a phone call i hung up with with being just like holy shit it is time for the mid roll Do you want to work with your favorite artist, maybe a vocalist for a sick feature like Kellen Quinn's Sleeping With Sirens, Shane Told from Silverstein, or maybe even Telly from The Word of Life? Maybe you even want me to scream out on a song after I just did, because that was awesome. Need some extra shred on that song you're writing? Maybe Nick Nocturnal from Termina, or Dan Sugarman from Ice Nine Kills. Maybe you need Dan Gailey from Fit For The Kings to sweep all over it. Maybe you're looking for live or MIDI drums to complete that record that you've been working on. Maybe you need someone like Tanner Wayne from In Flames or Austin Archie from Lorna Shore. You can go to FeaturedX.com right now and share your music with some of the best in the scene. It takes just a few minutes, and you may get to collaborate with your favorite artist. Go now to FeaturedX.com and create the ultimate song. Do it now! 
All right, this week we have some very solid mosh from the fellas in True Shot. Recently, I got the chance to be on the True Shot podcast, and it was a fucking blast. Um, I'm very jealous of Richard's interview voice, to be honest. I think it's far superior to mine. His vocals in True Shot are really fucking sick, and they're unique, and they stand out, which really I enjoy. I think it's cool that everyone and their mom can tunnel throat or whatever these days and is becoming you know, a super crazy all-around metal vocalist, but honestly, it's growing kind of stale. Everyone sounds the same, so for me, it was really nice to hear someone that stands out, and I think Richard stands out, and I really like these songs. I think True Shot fucks, as the kids would say. Um, also, Tim is from New Hampshire, and they're from New Hampshire, so it seemed fitting. I chose the song Mirage. I think it's got a really good chorus. Uh, it's a solid song. I thought it sounded great, and I think everyone will dig it. So if you want to hear your song on Get Tuck the Podcast, email me at gettuckthepodcast at gmail.com, and maybe I'll play it if you don't fucking suck. All right, here we go, Mother Tuckers. Mirage by True Shot.
this is, it just felt like a whole new level of like, man. Cause you know, I remember like when I got my Zildjian endorsement, I was like, this is the coolest shit that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And like, same thing with Earth and Remo, like all of these companies that I grew up playing and loving and seeing all of my favorite artists play to be like on those rosters. It's like, man, this is, this is crazy. Like this is stuff that, I mean, it's the same thing as even just like being in a band in general and then being in a band playing a show at your local venue on a Friday night. And then that local venue turns into you're on tour and all of a sudden you're trying to a label. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things that like, I never got into music to do that. I just got into music because I like music. I like going to shows. I like playing drums. It was always just the thing in my life that has brought me personal joy. You know what I mean? Which I think everybody is just searching for something that brings them personal joy. And when they find that, they hold on to it and they, and they keep it with themselves. And it like, it was never something I ever thought I was going to do, uh, you know, for, for life. I just always thought, you know, like this is, this is fun for now. And I liked playing shows with my friends and going to shows. And, and right as I was graduating high school, like obviously, like I said, like Matt's recorded a couple of my old bands and I used to play shows with our last night and around new England. And they asked me to come over and try out cause you know, they needed a new drummer. And after that it was like, yeah, like we, we've got a manager and we're, we've got a couple offers from labels and this and that. And I was like, this is how that happens. Like, okay. Like, well, I'm, I'm on board if you'll have me. And like the next thing I know, here we are. And after that phone call, funny enough, it was like, I've always had this, the dream kit I had in my mind with my favorite Gretsch finish, which is the black and gold Duco. It's the black with the gold in the middle. It just ages so well. And like, I've seen so many old pictures of Gretsch drums with that finish that are all cracked and just like, it just ages so well. Yeah. And, uh, and I got a phone call, uh, again, after we like, we're like, let's like work together. And he was like, so what are you thinking? And I, I was like, I'm looking for these sizes and this, that, the other thing. And he sent me a picture. He was like, what do you think of this finish? And it was that. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, that's actually exactly what I was going to tell you that I wanted it to be. And 30 seconds later, he called me and he goes, Hey, we built this exact kit about six months ago. Um, to take pictures of for the website it's sitting in our our warehouse in ventura if you want to come pick it up and i was living in california at the time so two days later i drove up to ventura and i picked it up and the next thing i know i have this dream drum set that i've always wanted you know what i mean it's crazy when things like that actually happen you know what i mean like it was it seems so meant to be yeah like and it's still it's what i play it's what i record everything with it's it's my kit like it's and then, like I said, that video I posted the other day, like I recently acquired this old 70s Gretsch kit that also is a monster. Yeah. Yeah, that finish but, is also gorgeous. I love that color. Um, but that's such a wild story because who the fuck would think that when you actually get, after you get in contact with them after a year and a half, and then you finally talk about a kit that they actually already have it built and just ready to go. Because mm-hmm. that thing would have taken what, oh, six months, months, if not make, a year. Yeah. You know? Yeah crazy that's incredible but you only get there by also i I just recall when we were younger when we were kids you were the best like you were so fucking good and so ahead of everyone else that was our age where it i mean it makes sense why matt and them would have picked you up but did you practice relentlessly as a kid or like how did you? i just played relentlessly okay it like it was never i mean I took lessons when I like first, so I got my first drum kit when I was 10 and it was like a, you know, a toy out of a JC Penny catalog. It wasn't like anything crazy. 
And I, it's one of those things that like at the time, I mean, I was 10. So like, it was never, yeah. I enjoyed music. I loved music. I, you know, there was always music playing in my house. My parents didn't play instruments, but like, you know, they loved music. So it was literally always records on. And, you know, it was, it was a very big part of my life. Um, but like, I didn't necessarily even take to it that much at first, you know, cause I also liked playing basketball and I played baseball and I really liked BMX. And I, to be totally honest, I thought I was going to be like Ryan Nyquist someday before I thought I was going to be Travis Barker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was, that was where my mind was. And a couple of years later, like I hadn't like not played, but it was kind of just a hobby. And then like, by the time I was like 13, 14, I hadn't really played in a little bit. And like one Christmas, my dad like had bought me another kit, like just this used kit. And it was a little, a little bit more like legitimate of a kit. And he was just kind of like, I really, I liked listening to you play. And like, it seemed like it was something you were good at and you were really grasping. And he's like, so I don't know. I just figured I'd get you this again. And, and maybe you'd, you'd give it another shot. And after that moment, it was kind of just like, okay, like it wasn't a toy. So like I could kind of lay into it and like actually play it and it wasn't falling apart. And it was just boom. I, I brought it home, and every day I would just go down in the basement and put on whatever record I had been listening to at the time and just play along to it, whether it was yeah. Enema of the State or like the first System of a Down record, or you know what I mean? Like it was Corn, Limp Biscuit. Like there's, it was always all over the place. Hybrid Theory was one that I always used to play to. Um, so rather than like sit down and like do, oh, I'm working on my paradiddles and working on like, you know, this and that, the other yeah. thing, I always just played it. Just, I just had fun. It was really, really, like I said, it was just always hey, something that brought me personal can, joy. Yeah. If you're a kid and you can get through item of the state, like congrats. That's well, fun. it took a while, but yeah. that was like, you know what I mean? And again, yeah, that's like a fucking we, challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a, in a, in a time where like Enema of the state came out and then also the live record came out and I was like, he's playing everything. 40 times faster than Edinburgh of the state and he's changing everything up. And like, that was where I like really learned to be like, yeah, you can record something one way, but like music is supposed to be played naturally. And if it doesn't come out exactly the way it did the time before, like that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not supposed to be pristine and like, I mean, obviously you rehearse, but like, if it's not exactly the same thing over and over again, like that's not like you didn't fuck up necessarily. You just, yeah felt something different and you played it a little bit differently. Like, and then as time went on, I started getting more into like metalcore and got introduced into stuff like that and started to like, listen to more like Evergreen Terrace and misery signals and, and stuff like that. And then drums got a little more intricate. And then I started getting into double kick and like, I just was always in bands playing with friends as well. Like I was in so many bands that never played shows, you know what I mean? Just like me and my friends in the basement writing songs yeah that like that was me practicing every day we'd get together and covers and and just just jam yeah and then that was after you know 10 plus years of doing that you've pretty much figured out how to play your instrument and again like i don't know and i mean i did marching band and i did band in school and stuff like that so like i did have some like i can read music and i, I mean bare minimum i can yeah. read drum music but like I do know that. And like, um, I did have that knowledge, but again, it was always just like, well, I just like playing and I'm going to play because it's, it's what I do. And it just turned out that after years of playing and playing and playing that it turned out that here I am 
and uh, it worked out where I apparently had gotten my shit together enough that it was good enough to be in a band by far the most put together group of people like Matt is by far the most put together musician I've ever played music with like for even from the start like back when I was in local bands like none of what we were doing was anywhere close to what Matt was doing it was all auto-tune and bullshit Matt sucks um. <laughs> it's all tricks <laughs> yeah it's all tricks um you know it, yeah I, matt was way ahead and he just had know, a different vision you know he knew what yeah. he 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 saw the bigger picture of things where like the rest of us are just like yeah i'm cool with playing vfw hall every weekend find me like, another he just got 17 it year old that can write a record as good as the ghosts among us like hasn't happened since so yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> and he did yeah. it himself yeah you, you know, know i mean he wrote all that it's pretty wild stuff, man. Um, but you all pushed each other to be great and have always been an incredible live band, and that's one of the, the biggest perks of our last night is the consistency was really there, even though you definitely had fun on the drums every day and would like add in fun fills and shit and do your thing. But like Woody has always been, uh, although he's also my friend, but one of my inspirations as a performer. He's does things that just the flow especially now that he's a yogi Mm -hmm. it's incredible to see the movement and but he always had it he always had this really effortless smooth stage presence but yeah yeah he was his own thing on stage i mean i feel like i know i always prided us and prided our band in the fact that like like that first record i loved how that sounded i mean if you were to ask me recording with david bendith was an incredible experience recording with andrew wade was a great experience and having bendith mix it but if you were to ask me my favorite one was recording the ghost among us with steve evitz because it was just like a it was the first time i'd ever stepped foot in like a real studio and you know this and that the other thing but it was the first time i ever played a legit gretch kit you know what i mean like that was where my love for it really started was recording that first record with him oh no and he did yeah yeah in the studio well so that was like we went, we flew out to California cause he was based in, in garden Grove and we, you know, get to the rehearsal space and there's just like five kits worth of cases in our rehearsal room. And it was just like, okay, like, I guess I'm going to go through these and pick what I want. And there's like a sonar and you know, there's a bunch of really nice kits, but cool. there was just this, the classic. And, it, and now that I know it must've been this, the classic like what every drummer ever recorded with back i mean like the gretch is like the go-to yeah like it was just like the go-to recording they just sound the best i mean they're just the most incredible natural sounding drums and like he just was i learned so much from him recording that like he was such a (sighs) where like bendis can be sort of like I mean, it never really happened with me, but you always kind of hear like, you know, he's more of a break you down to build you up type of guy. Yeah. Where like Evitz was like, hey, you'll get it. Let's try it again. You know what I mean? Hey, by the time we're done here, you'll never have a problem playing this beat again. You know, and was just so willing to like just teach and give like give criticism, but not in like a. Eh, you know, uh, whatever, we can fix it later or, you know, it was just very like, no, you're going to play it. Like, you have to play this. I'm not going to go in and, and edit this and, and post. It's This is going to be your playing is what's going to end up on this record. And he's and done like he, some of the most legendary dude, records. So ever. many of my you favorite know, records. Saves the day, I mean, Snapcase. Snapcase. Yeah, yeah, like, 
he's done so many good records. Yeah, that's crazy. The, um, but that would have been my my favorite, I think. Um, sounds like damn. I'm like going down memory lane. I don't yeah. even know. I don't even remember where it's, that started. <laughs> dude, uh, but you know what? That's the fun part, though. I mean, just seeing where where it all started and how you ended up getting there. But this was one of those steps where I think when you make a first record, and you know, I'll always have a special connection with my first one with Fit, just because it's you know when you finally are like man, is this, do I get to start, like, an, I don't know, is this when I become me, like, I get It's something new, me. yeah, exactly, yeah. it's a whole new, it's a whole new chapter. Yeah. Oh, we I, were talking about playing live, that's what yeah. we were talking about. Yeah, um, and you guys have just always been, you know, just insanely tight live, and... Well, yeah, like, I just always prided ourselves on, like, I thought we were really tight live as well, and yeah. granted, like, I just think when you have somebody like Matt up there playing the guitar, who, like... I mean, you couldn't pay him to make a mistake and he's up there giving it his all. You know what I mean? Like he's just so naturally like just talented. He's so good at his instrument and same with Woody. He's up there going absolutely nuts playing his parts. And you got Trevor who's giving it his all up there all over the place. Fucking as a kid, like still figuring himself out. Yeah. And like, and we had Colin at the time who also was great at his guitar and great had great stage presence like i always great singer too um great yeah dude he used to yeah. do all the harmonies and stuff like that and he would nail it um i always thought like I, I just remember like walking off stage times being like man like that feeling of like we fucking killed that you know what i mean like we played so well tonight mm -hmm. and like i just think back to the days like not playing to a click track because there aren't any samples and we're just getting on stage ringing out playing six songs walking off stage like it's it's it used to be such a different thing obviously for it was everybody. a different challenge man um it was incredible it was a really good thing i think for bands to know because it's missing in a lot of songwriting these days where it is well what happens if we play it a little faster what happens mm -hmm. if we play it a little slower what happens if we change up the beat on the bridge like what you know all that kind of shit and um which is a nice element to be able to experiment with when you are a live performer. And I think you guys going through that for a good period of time. When did you start using a click track? We will all evolve or yeah, it would have been the second record because like, so kind of like you were saying, like we, the first record obviously sound is sounds much different than anything that came out after that. Um, there was no like samples or, or anything of the sort on there. It was just, it was just, two guitars, bass, drums, and some vocals going to town. And um, in that time, it was like, obviously we started touring. It was like two years later, we put out We Will All Evolve. And like in that time, it seemed like so much changed in the scene of music that we were in. Yeah, everything We're like we didn't full, necessarily like, normal fit in it. airplane and back. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like it was like, well, we don't, you know, bands like Attack Attack came out and like this whole new genre of like, metalcore and tons of like synths and, and samples and all this stuff and we were like well that's not what our band sounds like but that's like what that's what all the bands sound like that's the bands we're going on tour with and like so we matt's like okay well i'm gonna start incorporating it into our sound and then so i.e we will all evolve songs mm -hmm. like elephants and across the ocean and, and things like that which we played some we just did our 15 year tour last year which actually the last shows we played were on that tour um no we played sure. our well, we played our 15 year show at least. Cause like I said, like I've, we've been touring for 13. I've been in the band for 13, but they've been doing this 
for at least well over 15 years now. Um, and we played uh, Escape in Across the Ocean at that show. Oh, that's awesome. But like, I funny know. enough, we played, we went into that tour being like, oh, we played Elephants too. We went into that tour being like, we're going to play Across the Ocean on this tour. And we played it the first two nights and nobody knew it. So we were just like, okay, well, we'll just hold off what? and play it at the 15-year show. Yeah. Not nobody, but like it was, there was more people than not were like, uh, is this a cover? Like, what song is this? That song, one, is incredible. And two... Like, on that record is when you guys really... I mean, I love a lot of the choruses on the first record, for sure. But you got... Matt started writing these really anthemic choruses. Yeah. On we Will All Evolve. Like, Across the Ocean, yeah. but also The Air I Breathe. Like, mm-hmm. some of this stuff was just really meant to... For big rooms. You know, you guys aimed for songs that could gain mass appeal. And... Mm-hmm. um I think, yeah, you, it was a very interesting time for the scene because there was so much shit going on at that time. I think yeah. everyone had fallen out of the, like, drop-dead gorgeous Alasana time period, and then yeah. the attack attacks were, like, destroying things and taking over. But like with anything, you know, it's meant for a particular, you know, only attack attack can really be attack attack. If yeah, it and in that time... It would be the first My Ticket Home record. There you go. <laughs> and in that time, you had things, which again, great band. Um, yeah, love that band. Yeah. If you like, if you look at the way things went as well, like that was also when bands like MySpace bands really started becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Like the internet really started to to pick up, and it was more obtainable for bands to become bands and be heard and yeah i mean like the scene just shifted which it does and it still does to this day and it always will i mean the scene looks very different than what it used to when we started and it's changed a million times in between there i mean look at look at like the hardcore scene now you have bands like twitching tongues who just sound like typo negative and kids love it and you have you know what i mean like bands are are just doing whatever the fuck they want to do which is important it's not like there was that brief period there where i felt like there was a formula and everybody was doing the same fucking thing. And we tried to continue to do our own thing and, you know, add elements of it. But like, we just still were like, it's just not what we want to be doing. Like it's, it's not our sound. It's not what our band is. And like, that's why I think we're still here. And and like, it took us an entire seven years of a label and learning and all these things like it doesn't bum me out that we aren't the biggest band in the world and that we aren't like selling out Madison Square Garden. Like it's one of those things. Like I would rather this take my entire life. To, pretty fucking huge though. <laughs> to continue growing and continue like doing a thing than like have this overnight success and be gone in two years. Like you saw happen with so many of the yes. bands in that time period. And it's a frustrating thing to watch people go through because especially during this year I've you know I've grown a lot of fear where it's like well what are things going to be like when I return even though now I know it's going to be the shit and everyone's going to be like man fit for the kings is the best metalcore band on the planet but yep um it's yep. been really There's scary no to think about that and I think after you see it happen with some people and they sit back and they wonder why because sometimes it does happen with incredibly great bands that I really like. And even like as an example, even though I just made that joke, but like that first, my ticket home record. And when you saw that band, when they first started touring, Mm -hmm. you would see them on a bill and be like, Oh, that was the best band tonight. 
Yeah. Like, and they were also like fucking six years old. Yeah. Also, like children. they were legitimately babies. Yeah. And then no one, then they, it was one of those things like people didn't give them as much time of day because of the attack, attack wave and stuff like that. But exactly. Yeah. Marshall's the drummer of that band, I yeah. think. Man, he yep. was wild too. He was another yep. one of those young people. You Nick, the front man. Yeah. I mean, even the records they continued to put out. You know what I mean? Like, I love the the puke puke rock stuff or whatever. They yeah, call it. dude, like, it's great. Yeah, we brought them out when they were they were on that record, and I mean, they were just fucking just doing whatever they wanted to do. Again, like it's it's important for you to do what you want to be playing. You shouldn't be playing music to be successful. You should be playing music because you want to play music. One thousand percent if people don't want to listen to what you're playing, that's fine. You can keep playing. You know what I mean? Like if our band was to break up tomorrow, I'm not going to stop playing drums. You know what I mean? Like this isn't, it's, it, I'll, I hope it doesn't fucking happen, but like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, right. I'll always be able to play music. That's the Same. beauty in it. It's something I can always do. But so like you said, like, you know, when this, when things get back to whatever the, the version of normal is going to be in fifth or King's going to be the biggest fucking metal band on the planet, which is obviously the case. Um, I was actually talking to my wife about it last night. Like I'm interested to see on the other end of this, like think about all of the bands that were supposed to put out a record last year and didn't, you know what I mean? Maybe we're like, okay, well there's no point. Like we'll, we'll hold off. We're like, the amount of artists who like was going to be the year that they put out their first record yes. and like go on their first tour and it all gets canceled. Like I'm very interested to see the amount of bands and projects that this like just completely kills. Like I'm interested to see like in yeah. five years who I'm going to be like, Oh man, like you remember that band, whatever happened to them? Oh, you know, COVID got them. They just oh, never came God. back after that. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm very interested to see what the scene is going to look like. I think that and, will be the I mean, case. I yeah, it's something that I've been speculating about because I think that there's a lot of bands that say you were like you uh, just pointed out a young band. You put out your first record right before COVID happened. Yeah, exactly. So you that, put it that record didn't get to fucking recoup. You didn't get to promote it. So it's going to be hard for the label to be like, all right, let's go round two before we even get off our off the ground with round one. And that's those bands are fucked. Now all the bands that also decided not to put out records last year are all going to release records at the same time once they get announcements for tours, and that's also going to make your record get just lost in the dust. Like no well, one, yeah. Like is gonna that what's going to happen? You know, is everybody going to put out a record as soon as yes. like is everybody going to go on tour as soon as they're like okay, you can go on tour again. Yeah, I think a lot just of people are going to be oversaturated. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are confident where they're like, oh, it do- it won't matter. Our record's so great. It won't matter. Yeah, guess what? You and everybody else, bud. So exactly. we'll see how Which that is a good attitude out. to have. I mean, again, be confident in what you're doing and be proud of it. But like, this is a strange time where like, you know, I, as a everybody band, can't just go on tour all of a sudden. Yeah. And as a band that released our record during this year, it was a pleasure. It gave me something to look forward to. We had no competition. We did well. Sure, would we have sold more if we sold it on a Parkway Drive tour? Yeah, no fucking shit. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, really? come on. Nah, yeah. I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, and but if I can't do that, I'm not going to stay here for a whole year. And if we hadn't given the new record this year, I don't know what the fuck we would have done. So, um, it's a great record. Thank you, sir. I appreciate Is it. But Bobby back. You know, he's 
he never. Or is he just he chilling? Left, but like he, yeah, he's just not going to tour, um, yeah, unless we like get a Gojira tour or something. Yeah, where yeah, he's no, like, yeah, because he, you know, he he was always going to keep writing the records, and we, you know, kept touring with another person, and then we did like we've done some shoots where it's not the five of us, and mm-hmm. but we're we still always wore a five piece. And then when it came time to do new stuff or like do the live stream and shit, we we're like, how are we not going to do it as the five of us? Like, cause he's, yeah, he's yeah. the best. Bob's the fucking best. Oh, he's an animal. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real pleasure to get to do that. And he actually has his third child now. So, you know, mm-hmm. the likelihood of him coming out and playing is not too likely, but depends on if you get something like super crazy, okay. but fourth, um, if you take his plant business into consideration, Oh yeah, and they actually didn't they just open up a brick and mortar uh, tomorrow? I believe it opens. Oh if wow! Not yeah, they 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 uh, were moving to a new location, and it's really exciting. Um, and he's also he's got a second trailer that he's been working. Yeah, that dude is working constantly. He's nuts. It seems like it. Yeah. Um, you're just making babies, working hard. He's just it's it's wild. It makes me uh, a little frustrated sometimes. Just it's like, all right, I'm, I am I keeping up with life? Um, but it's really astounding to see what you guys have accomplished after all these years. Because as someone who loves and cares about you all and have seen almost the whole journey, it's just wild to see that really at the end of the day, our last night is one of the biggest bands in the scene. Like you guys draw like a motherfucker you stream like a motherfucker you're independent you have the youtube channel you've done stuff that is so inspiring for the average person that it really could change the trajectory of a young person's life and i think that that's such an incredible thing to accomplish in and outside of sales streams money all that kind of stuff you know you guys have made an impression on young individuals and that's pretty fucking cool man i appreciate you man uh it's just like one of those things where (laughs) <laughs> it's it's just it's still fun for us you know what i mean like we we're just enjoying ourselves and i mean in this time like we didn't stop we for the first time in i mean we didn't play a show last year just like pretty much everybody else and that's yeah. the first time any of us have gone that long without playing a show in at least 15 years like it was it was weird but we kind of with youtube and being able to having people like matt and trevor and woody who are all you know we're very capable of just doing everything ourselves because we've been doing it this way now for so long that luckily this all didn't it didn't affect us too much like we took a little bit of time off to spend with our families and i you know i would have been gone a month after my daughter was born and i'm thankful that i didn't have to leave right away yeah um but like you know, we've just like, okay, well, we'll take a couple months off, but then like, let's get back at it. And we wrote new music. We released three new songs last year. Like we're just trying to approach it as like, just release content because if anything, like, no, you can't go play shows right now, but it's even more of a reason if you can do it to take the time to learn something new, learn how to edit a video, learn how to, you know, record yourself, learn how to do something that can better your, your brand. Because in the end, like if you can do it all yourself, then you can do it however and whenever you want. And like, we're gearing up here to like go absolutely nuts this year and release as much shit as we possibly can. Because as of right now, 
there's still no touring. You know what I mean? And again, like we're not, we're not if Taylor we're Swift. Lucky, so it'll be seven months. I think. I don't know. Yeah. If, you know, maybe some people will play a festival here and there this summer mm-hmm. if a festival happens. But with Coachella's canceling and stuff, it seems unlikely. Yeah, but, exactly. You so, know, crossing our like, fingers for September. We were kind of lucky enough that like we're in a way set up for something like this to happen. Like we're yeah. we're able to keep doing what we do without having to go on tour. And you know, it's more of just a bummer that we can't. But like we've just still stuck with it and still tried to just be like you are all very much so capable of doing this yourselves we're not say we're in no way trying to say that like you don't need a label like what we do isn't for all bands some people do need a label some people like it's not like a cut and dry nothing is just like black Most or white people you know what i mean handle like, it. i don't think a lot of people could handle the workload if i'm being honest yeah but i mean like i just now it's like for me like I just get to sit back and be inspired by the dudes in this band. Cause I watch Matt crank out music and it, like, I just get to learn these songs that he writes and I get to put my spin on them. And I just see Trevor just doing, just running our brand and running our business. And just like, they've all, it's been incredible to be part of this journey, to watch them all grow and learn new things and like to be able to be a part of it and learn with them and learn from them. And like, I don't know, man. Like I, I give Matt credit for me being able to play the drums the way I play the drums. Like I knew how to play before him, but like having to play and keep up with Matt is like why I play the way I play now. You know what I mean? Like I was. You didn't have learning Matt's songs. Yeah. yeah, you weren't playing. Learning Matt's songs was like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> yeah. this, these are weird. I, I don't. I've never had to play this shit before. Yeah. No, it's it's that's in this yeah, a very very wise point where you know like going back to what we were talking about where you guys as young people were just playing at a different level than most bands and not only just playing covers or being able to do that it was you guys were writing original music that was just light years ahead of your age and it was you've always had that skill and I think that that's why you've been able to create such a successful entity and you know just seeing even like pointing out what you're saying about Matt and Trev like seeing Trevor turn into the businessman he is now is just Mm -hmm. remarkable and they're just so smart, so brilliant. It also proves you don't need to go to fucking college, kids. Um, but <laughs> Trevor has done I mean, some incredible things without. Which is, yeah. I don't know if he if ever. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, then yeah, you should. You should probably go to college. But yes. yeah, I mean, like in terms of, I mean, it. Just, I don't know. College is a weird one. Like it yeah. depends on what you want to do with yourself. But if you want well, to be I in a band, they, yeah, you, you don't need a music degree for sure. You, have to you know what I mean? Like you don't need Berkeley. to go to Berkeley. Yeah, you need to figure it out because it's it works very differently than anybody could tell you the way it works. You know, yeah. what I mean, you have to figure it out for yourselves because what works for some might not work for others. Like I said, like you know, for us, we do it all ourselves without a label. But we were on a label for seven years before we got to this point. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just like a from the start. But at the end of the day, you do it yourselves when you start when you're playing local shows when you're promoting yourself like you're doing that all on your own yeah so nowadays with tools like the internet i don't know if if you've ever heard of it once um, twice there's this there's this thing that you can use and all you really have to do is put your music on there and you know promote it a little bit people will hear it 
Yep. It's very, very obtainable for you to pull something off and, and do it yourself. It's, it's easy. I mean, it takes work. It's, it's, it's hard work. It's not going to happen overnight, but like if you put in the time and the effort and it's what you're passionate about and you actually want to do, like you can make something happen. I mean, with a fucking iPhone nowadays, man, like one of our most successful covers, we literally shot with an iPhone. No shit. Which one? Yeah. Uh, the Ed Sheeran one. No way. Yep. Because it was like a thing we did with a, an iPhone um, or like a, an app that you can like edit videos on. And that was the whole point of the video. But we literally shot it on an iPhone. That's sick. See, so like. No shit. Yeah. But yeah. So any, you know, people, all these people can get out there and try to actually advance things on themselves. And it would be difficult, you would think, to be an independent artist and to grow and to figure out all these ways without having any label experience on how to enact yourself therefore as a label and create distribution and stuff like that, which things like distro kid, which is like the biggest distribution platform on the planet. I mean, it will certainly help you with and, but hip hop also along with artists like yourselves, you know, hip hop has proven now nah, you can go be worth a million dollars first before you sign a, a, a deal, <laughs> if, if you want. If any genre of music can show you that. Yeah. Like that's that's exactly it. This whole era of SoundCloud rappers. Yeah. That's, those are just kids in their fucking bedroom making beats, rapping over them and putting them online. Yeah. Oh, and now you have an entire genre of it. Like it's just all things are obtainable. And like I said, you know, just because it works for somebody doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for everybody. But I would suggest, you know, there are books and courses and things like that online that you can just pay a little bit of money for. And you can learn just about everything you need to know business-wise that you would need to be taught by somebody else. And the rest is just hitting the ground running and doing it. 100%, man. You know, I think... It's, I, you know, I've talked about this with a lot of things and I think it's something that I learned with, you know, starting a business this year, which, you know, 90% of the fucking issue is just doing it. You got to just mm-hmm. fucking do it. And then once you're in the trenches, just keep on going and yeah. figure it out. And you guys did that step by step over these years, whether it be, you know, with an, a label independently of creating this YouTube channel, learning every step on how to manage a band, learning on how to be a self-sustaining label. And <clears throat> it is one of those things that anyone can learn and it will take a long time. I think it takes a long time to be a, as good as you guys are, but it's very, very inspiring to see. And it makes the rest of us sit back and think if, you know, there's been a, you know, a moment or two where I've sat back with my guys and been like, all right, let's do some math here, boys. What are we really worth? And, you know, bands like yours inspire us constantly to want to to look at ourselves that way. And it's important. Um, But dude, I don't really got much else for you today, my man. Oh, it's been a pleasure catching up. I mean, if we can sit about, we can sit and talk about all the times we hung out in a van or all the times that we stayed at your house and your parents made us breakfast or, yeah. you know what I mean? If we really want to dive into it, but I think those will be some stories that are better left untold to the masses. Yeah, it was pretty much just pancakes <laughs> and pot for the most part. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sitting on your back porch, hanging yeah. out with your dog. But, you know, those are some of the best times, man. Some of, And I loved getting to do that with you guys. And I was thankful that we just, you know, because it was just two bands playing a show. And you guys want, needed, I offered a place for you to stay. And we became friends. And, I, I you know, mm-hmm. then it ended up being, 
sleepovers on warp tour and shit and i'm just i'm super yeah you stayed at my house yeah dude and like you guys used to tour and you used to come stay at my house like it's just and dude when we stayed at that out the la pad or whatever the california one that you guys had mm -hmm. for a year or two that that was wild um it's just yeah you know it's great to see each other grow up and i feel like we really have to some extent in this really crucial part of our lives um and I'm just so I'm so stoked for you, and I'm so glad that you and Crystal are, had a baby and have this ever growing incredible family. Man, it's, it's really really inspiring to see. Oh, I appreciate you, man. It's it's an it's an honor to be your friend, and it's incredible watching you grow as well. And like knowing now you're you've been doing this this featured X, and like it's you are also somebody who has never stopped trying to figure out something more you can do and. Like I said, man, it's an honor to be your friend and watch you grow and, and be a part of your life and to be able to do this podcast with you, man. It's We don't get to catch up too often, and it's nice to just shoot the shit. Absolutely, buddy. All right. Well, with that, hold on one second. I'll properly say goodbye to you off the air, but Tim, I love you, buddy. Thanks for being on the show today, and I hope you had a good time getting tucked. Oh, of course, man. I love you as well, Ryan Tuck. I don't even <laughs> want me to call you. <laughs> Alright, that was the show Alright folks, thank you very much for tuning in again this week Make sure you go and subscribe and smash that button And tell me that you like the show And give me good reviews because I'm a five star man It was nice getting to chat with my buddy I hope you all had some fun today. Next up is Sean Keith, owner of Sharp Tone Records. True Shot, thanks for the tune. Richard, you suck. See you all next week. And as always, get your
Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.